All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord God, we thank you that we call you Father. You are our Abba Father. Thank you, Lord God, that we celebrate you today. Yes, we, we may be honoring dads today in some way or fashion, but Lord, we first honor you. We thank you, Lord God, for showing us what it means to be a loving father. Showing us, Lord, what it means to be the guardian of our homes. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us what a privilege and honor it is. Lord, we pray as we come before you, may you speak to us, may your Holy Spirit teach us, stir in our hearts, Lord God. Open our ears and our minds and hearts to you. And we give this time to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to take a pause in our time in Mark. Uh, today's message is titled, Prepared for Duty. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear that term, prepared for duty. Uh, perhaps you think of the military. Those of some of you may know someone who's in the military. Perhaps you, maybe you served in the military. And you know what it means to be prepared for duty. Uh, maybe you think of police officers that they have to be prepared for duty every time they go out in their job on a daily basis. When I think of prepared for duty, I think of watchdogs. Now, how many of you have a watchdog? Okay, how many of you just have a dog that just watches? All right, so that's most of you. Uh, I've shared before, before coming, starting here, I, I worked at Amazon. I delivered at Amazon, so I had to go through all these different neighborhoods and areas and deliver packages and stuff. And there were many houses that were guarded by this sign, this beware. It's not working. Is it changing? Someone might need to change it for me. All right, this beware of dog sign. Certain neighborhoods, I saw these signs everywhere. Beware of dog signs. Now, uh, some houses had these signs, and they were truthfully only guarded by this, if at all. So some, dog, some houses were guarded by these signs, but other houses who had these signs truly were guarded by these. They really did look like the picture, and it could be kind of uh, intimidating. Uh, there were some houses who had dogs in the yard, but couldn't care less if you entered. You know, when, when you're, you're trained, when you're delivering, that if there's a gate that's unlocked, you open the gate, first you try to make some noise, to indicate whether there's a dog in the yard. And then when you open it, you have to look all around to make sure the coast is clear. So you take it two steps, you kind of look around, right? So there was this one house that I delivered to that there was a gate, there was a door you couldn't see over the gate. 
So I opened, I made sure, you know, make some noise. I opened the gate, I looked around, it's like I didn't hear anything. So I take two steps, and when I took two steps, I looked to my left, and there was this husky laying down next to this car. And this husky lifted his head up, looked at me, and gestured, yeah, just leave it over at the porch, and just put his head down. I'm telling you, that's what this dog said to me. Now, I didn't hear it audibly, but literally, he just picked up his head, looked at me, and said, yeah, just leave it over there. Of course, I did not take the chance. I didn't go over there. I just left it right at the gate. I closed that gate and said, package delivered. Uh, but I was confronted with many kinds of dogs. Some were watchdogs. Some were not so much of all different sizes. Delivered one package, and literally a chihuahua just stormed out of that house and bit the back of my leg. It took all spiritual godliness in me not to punt that dog two houses down. I didn't. Took some self-control. I got bit by another dog. It bit my shorts. Owner had the leash, didn't say anything. All to say, some houses are better guarded by dogs than others, you know, in all my time. I got greeted by a pig once, got greeted by a rooster, greeted by a baby goat, you know, all kinds of watchdogs. But that's what I think of when I think of prepared for duty. One time I was chased down a long driveway by a dog. It was a house I was very familiar. The dog's usually inside, so I went through the gate. I'm like, okay, it's a long stretch of driveway, big heavy box. Halfway down that thing, I see the dog storming out after me. I I not dropped it. I placed it down, and I jetted. I sprinted down that aisle, and I got to the gate. I closed it just as the dog's muzzle was going through the fence, you know. Yeah, all right, you're bored. All right, point being, why do I bring all this up? At the risk of sounding like a broken record, if you're like me, everywhere you look, in light of what's going on, what's even being celebrated this month, I'm really burdened by what the times we're living in. Today we're going to focus on an exhortation by Paul. And there's a reason that the majority of the New Testament really is a charge to a church that's going through some problems. If you read the New Testament, much of the letters of the New Testament, it's addressing these Christians, these churches that are struggling through some issues, through these problems. And there's a, the reason being is that from the very beginning, the church has faced struggles, challenges, temptations, conflict, and it still goes on today. And so, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, perhaps me, I'm repeating from times before, it's really a burden because we're living in times where the church itself, believers and Christians, are facing some of the same struggles that even the early church faced at that time. So we're going to take a look at some exhortation by Paul. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It reads like this, verse 13. It says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done 
in love. Now this, this verse, two verses, very short, right? This perhaps may be the shortest passage I will preach from this year. Uh, it may not be the shortest message, but maybe the shortest passage. But in these two verses, these 12 Greek words, while there's not very many words, packs a punch. It has a profound message for us. Now, Paul wrote this letter in Corinth to the church in Corinth, and he addressed many concerns in 1 Corinthians. He, ex- he addressed concerns such as disunity among the brethren. He talked about marriage. He talked about immorality. He talked about doctrinal issues. He talked about spiritual gifts. And he talks about the importance of love. Of all these things he talks about, he even defended his own ministry, his own position as an apostle, as a messenger of Christ. So he presented all these messages. And after addressing all these issues, Paul concludes his letter with this exhortation, with this charge, these bold words. He concludes this letter with five bold action words, or these five verbs of exhortation. I kind of picture this scene, and you know, we've seen many movies where there's about to be a battle between two forces, and the leader, whether it's a general or whatever, is leader of the army, he gets out in front of his troops, and he gives this rallying charge to give them some courage to what they're going to face. Right? I picture this scene by Paul, or this, this imagery, and that Paul is writing these words, his final conclusion of his letter. And of these 12 Greek words, we're going to focus on five action words, or these five verbs, that represent these five charges or exhortations that I really kind of see about being prepared for duty. Being prepared for duty. The first one is watch. Second one, stand, or stand in the faith. The third we're going to look at is be courageous. The fourth one, be strengthened. And the fifth one, do all in love. So we're going to take a look at those five exhortations, those five words today. Now before we get into the passage further, I want to just comment on verse 13 and where it, 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 uh, the NASB interprets the word act like men. I want to clarify something for a second. Why it says act like men. That word used at the time is literally means to make brave. Show oneself a man. It would be likened to if you've heard the phrase, be a man. How many of you have been told that before? Stand up, be a man. Maybe you've said that before. Now I want to clarify this for a second because... uh, I don't want it to make it seem like this is just spoken to the men. This is a message for all of us. It's not a sexist part of the verse. This passage for all of us as believers in Christ. Be strong. Be brave. Be courageous. But at the same time, since this is Father's Day, I want to urge all the men who are here with us, who are hearing this message to pay close attention. The world wants us to be men of the world, not men of God. And whether you're a father or not, there's an urgent need for godly men in this world. 
There's an urgent need because there are women who are desperately needing godly men. I know there are some who almost feel like it's hopeless. Will they ever find a godly man? To the younger males, maybe you're not married yet or whoever it may be, make it be a desire for you that you are going to be a godly man. For those of us who are fathers, we need to practice this on the daily, on a daily basis. And I've said this many times, there is a a battle for the hearts and minds today. Every time you wake up, you turn anything on, whether it's a phone or a TV, you drive out into the streets, all the messages, you go into whatever it may be, there is a battle for your mind and your heart. And we need to take Paul's charge, his admonition, his exhortation seriously. So let's take a look more closely at this passage of verse 13, where it says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, or be courageous, be strong. The first charge, the first word we're going to look at is watch, or be on the alert. Be cautious, give strict attention to. Now, I mentioned about delivering. There was this one house that I delivered to. It was on a a regular route. I drove by this house, a very big house. It had a brick wall around the front with black bars on on the wall. And so I drive by, and not only was it, you know, usually it was locked, so I couldn't get in. Actually, every time it was locked. But it was guarded not only by walls and a gate, but this big black bull-like dog just right in the front yard, just laying there watching the streets. And I'm pretty sure the dog knew me, right? Because I delivered to multiple times. But I would drive by, I knew this house, and I see the dog just laying, just sitting right in front of the, right on the porch. And I drive by, that dog didn't move, just watched. I get the stuff together, get out of my van, watch the dog, not a nudge, just watching Walk up to the gate, not a move. As soon as my hand gets towards that gate, that dog just went, I mean like a deep bark. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I'm going to go near it. This dog watched. Didn't care if it knew me or not. It watched. And as soon as it's perceived a threat crossing that boundary, that dog was on alert and it said, you ain't coming in. I don't care what you have in your arms. It's not for me, so you're not coming in. Be on the alert. Watch. Do we understand and recognize the threats in our life? Can you recognize what threatens your faith? What threatens your family's faith? What is out to harm you? Can you recognize it? Do you know the things that are around you and in your life that is causing harm to your heart? Causing harm to your faith? What is shaping your thinking, your desires? This verb here, to watch or or be on alert is also translated in other passages to stay awake. 
Don't fall asleep to the things that are going on around you. Do you see the trends where society is going? Or have you fallen asleep to it? Have you dozed off? You haven't realized where things are going. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever watched those nature shows where the big cats, they're on the hunt? They just quietly, step by step, watching their prey. And when the prey doesn't suspect it, boom, lunges after it. Peter's saying, be careful, be watchful, be of sober mind, because you have an enemy that's out to get you like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. And are you watching? Do you have your radars up? Because we all need to be aware how the enemy tries to attack our minds, our hearts, and the minds and hearts of our families. Fathers, do you recognize how the enemy is trying to undermine and destroy your family? Undermine the health of your family, your marriage. Can you recognize where your marriage is being attacked? Do you recognize the enemy tries to deceive you and prevent you from growing, from preventing your family from growing spiritually and in the faith? Are you aware of it? Or are you falling asleep? Are you too preoccupied with other things and not realizing how you're coming under attack? And again, I want to emphasize this message is for all of us, not just the dads, not just the men, but it's for all of us that we need to have our radars open and on and being aware of how the enemy tries to get at us. But we need to be protectors. Protectors of our homes, our hearts, and our minds. One night, I had just fallen asleep. And then Jamie comes and wakes me up and says, Mike, Michaela says she heard voices in the backyard. So I said, all right, Jamie, tell Michaela to go out and check it out. I did not. Of course I didn't do that. I said, Jamie, you check it out. (laughs) Of course I did not. I didn't tell Jamie to check it out. It's not because she's not strong, she's able. In fact, if someone was to happen, I pity that person. Because that mama bear will come out, no mercy. Just kidding. So I got up, got my phone, I got the toe knife. You know the one that slipped my knife? No, actually I didn't. I didn't get that either. I just got my phone and went out and I investigated. It wasn't because Jamie wasn't strong enough. It's because, you know what? I want to be the protector of our home. I tell Jamie, I don't want you going checking it out. It's not because you can't do something. It's because I want to be the protector of our home. If something was to happen, it's not going to be to my family. I'm going to be the first line of protection. You see, we take these physical security measures in our homes. Some of you may have alarms. Maybe you have that dog sign. Maybe you have that dog, whatever it may be. We take all these safety precautions. But do we take the precautions of being aware of what is being a threat 
in our minds, in our hearts, to our faith. As parents, um, for Jamie and I, we probably were more strict than our kids' parents or friends' parents were. And it probably wasn't as fun for them growing up. But they know that the reason why we were is because we wanted to protect them as much as we can about the influences in the world. Because once you're exposed, sometimes it's hard to erase that exposure from your mind, from your heart. So one, be watchful. The second verb we're going to look at says to stand. Stand firm in the faith. Stand upon the faith. Persevere. Paul uses this charge similarly in other letters. He uses this verb, this word to say, stand firm and not revert back to old ways in Galatians chapter 5. In that context, he's referring to the Jews to don't revert back to relying on the law for righteousness. He also says, stand firm in one spirit in Philippians 1.27. Stand firm in the Lord, Philippians 4.1 and 1 Thessalonians 3.8. And then he says, stand firm and hold on to what you were taught. Don't forget what we, had t- what we taught you. See, all these things go hand in hand. In other words, stand tr- on to the truth of what you've been taught. What truths do you stand on? What do you hold on to? As I mentioned, many influences, many forces, many voices want to sway you off your faith. The reason why I keep saying this is because we face this challenge on a daily basis. Society wants us to stand, take a step off our faith and follow their ideologies, their trends, and their ways. There are loud voices that want to tell us that the gospel of Christ is prejudiced, it's bigoted, it's outdated, it's oppressive. Couldn't be further from the truth. These are lies. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about liberty. Freedom from the bondage of sin. It is truth. It's redemptive. It redeems the brokenhearted. The one who has lost. The one who has been burdened by the wrongdoings that they've found themselves in. The gospel of Christ is about hope. And we don't need the world to tell us who we are. How we ought to be. We don't need the world to tell us what it means to be a man. To be a woman. The truth of God's word. Our creator has given us value has given us identity and purpose. Fathers, set the standard of standing in the faith for your family. Let me say that again. Fathers, set the standard for your family what it means to stand in the faith. Teach your children what it means to be faithful and faith-filled. Let them see you stand for your faith in adversity. Not just see you struggle, not just see that you are capable of doing things, but let them see that you're standing in the faith in the midst of adversity. You may not convince them right away. 
right? Because after all, we all know parents don't know anything. They don't understand a thing. But keep at it. Continue to set that example. Not only teach them, but show them what it means to stand in the faith. And I don't say this out of judgment. I stand accountable for this charge for my family. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Again, as I mentioned, where that that phrase, act like men, is a verb. In other words, saying, be courageous. Now, it's interesting. This is the only occurrence here in the New Testament of this word. The readers at the time would understand what it means. Okay? Be a man. In other words, act like a man. And so be strong. Be brave. Be courageous. And again, I mentioned this saying is not disparaging against women. Right? It's not implying women are not brave or can't be brave and courageous and strong. You can be a strong, brave woman just as you can be a weak, cowardly man. Right? That's not the point. What it's saying is be courageous. This word, this verb here is, is what's called, it's in the middle voice. In other words, this verb is not only active, but it's also you are receiving this action. You are experiencing this action. You are being courageous and also you are experiencing courage at the same time. You will not become more courageous if you're unwilling to take out a risk, Right? Be willing to be brave. That's how you become courageous and you experience courage courage, when you're willing to stand up, stand up to the risk, and be bold. That's why I think this word goes hand in hand with the next one. The next word, be strengthened, be strong. Now, it's interesting, this verb here is in the passive voice. In other words, it means that you are the recipient of the action. Okay, you're the recipient of the action taking place. In other words, be strengthened. Be courageous. Be willing to be brave. And you're experiencing that courage, but also be strengthened. As you exercise courage, you become more courageous. And as you become more courageous, you become more strengthened by something. We've all experienced something where we are afraid to do something. But once we take the steps of courage... The next time, you're not as afraid. You're willing to endure or take that risk. Paul makes it clear who we are to get our strength from. What does he say in Ephesians 6.10? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. See, we grow up with this mentality that what it means to be strong is we have to prove ourselves or that we have to be physically strong. As dads sometimes or as men sometimes, we grow up thinking we always have to prove ourselves. Dads, how many times have you said to your kids, all right, go ahead, kids, hit me. Hit me right in my six-pack abs. Some of us resemble more like a punch balloon. There was a certain point in age where I no longer asked my kids that. I think they were like four. But we correlate physical strength to man's strength. But see, the radical message of faith in Christ tells us 
to stand in the Lord and be strengthened by God's power, by God's might, not ourselves. The world tells us, you be strong, you prove yourself, you rely on your own strength. The Bible says, you know what? Find strength in the Lord. I love this passage in Isaiah 40, a very familiar passage. Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says, do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Now, first he's saying, like, don't you know, have you not heard? We have a mighty God. We have a mighty, mighty God. He gives strength to those who are weary and tired. To those who are lacking, he increases. Those youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. But verse 31, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, we all can try to naturally be strong. Sometimes as men, and I'm sure this is the case for women, we want to present the strong image. But when no one else is around, we feel tired and weak. Sometimes as fathers, it's natural. We want to prove ourselves. But see, we bless our families more when we show them what it means to have the Lord empower us and be our strength. Let me clarify that again. It benefits our family more than as fathers we present to them and show them that God is our strength. God is our power in times of weakness. I thought about this today. Growing up, my dad always referred to how good God is. Whenever anything good happened, I can't remember a time he boasted of himself and said, yeah, look what I did. Man, I'm pretty good. I only remember my dad saying, God is so good. I didn't think much about that until this morning related to this message. It's important for us as fathers not to just prove ourselves to our families, but to teach them and show them God is so good. And when we feel weak, he strengthens us, empowers us. Lastly, verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Let all you do be done in love. Do all in love. Now, there is no more manly trait than being loving. I said that right. There is no trait we can have as men that is more manly than loving. Is that a radical statement? 
right? That shouldn't be. For us as believers in Christ, that should not be a radical statement. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we all know this. Let's sing it together. Just kidding. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone who's born of God knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. See, cultures get it wrong when they compartmentalize love and being loving to being a female or a motherly trait. How many of you heard that or growing up thought of that? Well, being loving, that's a motherly trait. That's a female trait. Men, it's more being strong and being brave and being, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh Uh-uh. Cultures, we get it wrong. There's no greater example of love than Jesus. There is no greater model for manliness than Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus say to the disciples before he sacrifices his own life? He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Because greater love has no one than this, and one lays down his life for his friends. Jesus declares this before he lays down his life. Men, we need to be men of love. Godly love. That all we do, we do in love. Not self-love, but our love for others. Our love for our wives, our love for our children, our love for our family, our parents, whatever it may be. And again, of course, this message is for all of us. It's not just for men. It's not just for the fathers. But I want to make sure that you all pay close attention to this. Let's wrap this up. In all these verbs, all that we saw in these two short verses, all these verbs are spoken in the present tense. Why is that significant? It means that they are presently active. It's not in the past tense. It's not in the future tense. It's not in, well, you know, I did this for my wife before. I gave her flowers yesterday. I was loving. I, you know, washed the dishes Last week? Last night? It's not in the future tense. It's not, oh, you know what? I'll do this later. I'll uh, make it up to her tomorrow. I'll do this for her tomorrow. It's in the present tense, meaning that it is a continual action. It's something that we continue to do. Paul lays it out in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians about what love is. And if you studied that passage enough, you learn that love is a verb, it's action, it's not just a noun, it's not just something you buy or you get, it's an action that you express to others. Watch, stand in the faith, be courageous, be strengthened, and do all in love. I'm burdened by this because the world is aggressively becoming more and more hedonistic. What do I mean by that? Desires is king, is God. The pursuit of pleasure is king and God. 
And society is just going towards that. And we need to be watchful. We need to be watchdogs of what's going on around us in our lives. And dads and fathers, I want to encourage you, exhort you to be a watchdog for your family. To be watchful. To stand in the faith. Be courageous. Be strengthened by the Lord and do all that you do in love. Because we need to be vigilant. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. Be aware of what's going on in your kids' lives. It may mean you're unpopular with them for a time. And I know there are some youth kids like, oh, Pastor Mike, please don't remind them again to get into my business. But the reality is, there's threats all around in their life. We can't watch them every time and everything they do. Sometimes the only we can do is train them and teach them this is what you need to be watchful for. This is what you need to stand upon. This is what you need to hear. This is what you need to know because there are threats out there. We get the privilege and honor to be the watchdogs. Fathers, we are honored and blessed with the privilege to be watchdogs for our families, for our spouses. And for those of us who aren't fathers and and dads and whatever, we are all charged with this. Let's be that watchdog. Maybe it's not just in our lives, but in the lives of others around us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, God, you are our model Father. From the very beginning, you communicate your word to us. You warn us. You say, be watchful of these things. Don't get involved in these things. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. It's going to distance you from me. You give us your word to stand on and say, here, let me give you the truth to hold on to. You give us courage because you are the strength in our life. And everything you have done is out of love for us. There's many here, Lord, who need to hear that God loves you. He loves you so much. He showed the ultimate expression of love by dying for your sin, that you can be redeemed, that you can have hope. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, your mercy, your love, your might, your power, your strength. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship.